Welcome to Broadcast 1132. You can join us live every Sunday during our worship experience or at church1132.com. This is Ghost Stories Part 2. We started the series last week. This is a story, uh, this is a series that kind of builds on each one. And so if you missed last week, I'd encourage you to go check it out. You can get our app or podcast, Facebook, YouTube, you can find it. And to get on there, watch it. And because some of these, or these three messages, next week's as well, will kind of build on each other. Ghost Stories Part 2, we're going to go to Acts chapter 19. And we're going to read two verses here, and we read these last week, and this is kind of the background uh, for our series. Acts chapter 19, verse 1 and 2, it says, While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, and he asked them, Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? They answered, No, we have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. We've not even heard... That there is a Holy Spirit. I think a lot of people have a different, a lot of different backgrounds and experience with the Holy Spirit. You may have been one of those that never known, and you're hearing Holy Spirit. What is the Spirit? Why is it holy? And why are we talking about it in church? Uh, maybe you've had a bad experience with churches that operate in the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're like. All your sensors are going off right now, like, whoa, what is this? What are we about to talk about? Uh, you have some ghost stories. Uh, I, I've really narrowed it down to about three areas or three things that people, uh, people either don't know there is a Holy Spirit, like you just haven't heard, you just don't know, or we don't want to know that there is a Holy Spirit. We call these leapfrog Christians, they're reading, they're reading, they love it, they love it, and then it says something about the Holy Spirit, and you leapfrog, you jump to the next thing, it's like, I didn't see that, I didn't see it, I don't know what it was, I didn't see it, and you just keep on going. See, this, this is the thing, if we're going to believe in the Bible, we got to believe in all the Bible. We don't get to pick and choose what parts we like, what parts we don't like, what parts we want to use this week, what parts we want to do that the next week. In this church, we believe in the entire Bible. And if it's there, we believe in it. Now, I'll say this. I don't understand everything that's in the Bible. I believe it. I just don't understand everything. And there is a journey of discovery, but we won't ever dismiss something because we don't understand it. We will never write something off as error just because we can't explain it. If it's in there, God put it in there for a reason. Now, we might not know exactly what it is, and I think it's, it's okay to have questions. You know what? God's not threatened by your questions. God's not threatened by your doubts. We see even in the Bible, there was a man that had doubts about healing, Jesus healing his son, and he still healed his son. He, he put himself in a posture of belief. He said, Lord, I believe. Help me with my unbelief. So he postured himself in faith while admitting that he had unbelief, and Jesus still gave him his miracle. So I think it's really important that when you approach the Word or you approach Christianity, even in things that you don't understand, that you allow God to speak to you, you ask questions, or you study it out, but that we don't dismiss it. There's people who don't know there's a Holy Spirit, there's people who don't want to know, and there's people that have known the wrong things. These are the ghost stories that we're talking about. They have heard some things, they've known some things, it's like, man, if this is a Holy Ghost church, we're not going here, because we've heard the ghost stories. Isn't that a lovely name, Holy Ghost? I mean, it's just like, it, 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 we talked about this a little bit last week, but like if you never came to church, maybe this is your first time in church, you're watching online, like let's see what this church thing's all about, and they're talking about the Holy Ghost. I know we all have like Christianese, and we all know what we're talking about, but if you didn't know, I mean, you might think that's a little odd. I think like, like Holy Ghost, 
right? Sometimes you just got to slow down and say the things we say as Christians because we just, we just smooth over them so fast that it's like, oh, yeah, that's right, the Holy Ghost. It, it, but, yeah, they're like, the Holy Ghost? The Holy Ghost? Th- th- this is the thing. We've got to approach God and we got to approach his word with a blank canvas. We talked about this last week is that it's like an etch-a-sketch. We, we need to like shake our minds down so that we can have a clear canvas when we approach the Word of God. We must approach the Word of God with a clean slate, empty of our past experiences or perspectives, and allow God to speak to us. we got to approach His Word with a blank canvas. You know, I think a lot of people, we approach the Word through the filter of our past experiences. We approach church, or we approach God, we approach it through the filter of our past experiences, and that can be dangerous. It can be dangerous to filter something that God's doing or God's saying through what we've been through or through what someone else has said about it. We've got to have a blank canvas when we come before God. Now, now for me, um, I, I remember, I think it was about six months ago, I'm driving Jamie's car. And so, so I wasn't in my car, I'm in driving in Jamie's car. And, and uh, there, there is a, a level of trim on her particular car that is like sport mode, okay? Like, is it this and this sport? And people always ask me, is it a sport? And it's not. It's like, it's not, no, it's not sport. And, and so it's like, you know, everywhere I go, anybody that knows anything about cars, they're saying, is that a sport? It's like, no, it's not a sport. It's not, it's not up to that caliber. It's a little less. It's not a sport. So I'm telling people, but I was driving it about six months ago, and I found this button that actually switches it into a sport mode. It's awesome. Now, I'll, I'll just be transparent with you. Uh, I, I am... Um, I, I don't know how to say this other than I've gotten a lot of tickets. I, I have a problem. If the power's there, I like to use it. Okay? And, and it's like, I, I can be loving Jesus and sinning at the same time. It happened the other day. I'm praying, and I'm cruising down exchange, and it's just like really cruising. You know, just like not even noticing I'm cruising, but I'm, I'm cruising. And, and, and you know that time, you know how it happens. You see in the corner of your eyes like, oh, no, there's, there's the police officer. The same police officer that pulled me over a couple months ago when I was cruising down exchange in the same place and in the same car, and he gave me a ticket. He was real nice about it, but he gave me a ticket. And, and there he is again. I'm like, oh, no. You know, you slam on your brakes. I'm praying God like one, just one time. Give me grace one time. God's reminding me of all the times I've prayed that, but whatever. And, 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 and so luckily I, I, cruise on, I cruise on by, and I'm like, oh, thank you, God. Thank you, God. And, and, and so I've got a problem, okay? Paul said this. He said the very things I want to do, I don't do. For the things I don't want to do, I do. I got a problem. Okay, I'm admitting it. And, and, and so it's, it's probably better for me to just drive a big, slow car with terrible gas mileage because that's just safer for me, my family, and my marriage. We just celebrate 11 years of marriage. It's awesome. I want to have 11 more. So I'm just going to, like, not drive her car because I found this, this button. Sport mode. It gives you access to power and speed in the car that wasn't previously available. It's amazing. It is amazing. I mean, it's just like knowing it's there is just like teasing me. I mean, it's just like, I, I, I'm, not, I'm not trying to speed all the time, okay? So some of you about to email me and say I shouldn't speed. I know I shouldn't speed. I'm working on it, okay? Um, it, it, it's, it's just that it, I try to get from here to there really fast, okay? So I'm not going to go over the speed limit. I'm just going to get to that limit really quickly. And with sport mode, I can get there quicker than I can without it. Praise the Lord. And so I found this button. I'm like, man, I, I cannot drive her car without switching it into sport mode. 
Because once you know it's there, it's like you got to use it. I mean, it's just, it's just right. I mean, it's right there. I mean, you just, you flipped it. Why would you ever go less than sport mode? I mean, for real, some of you guys are like, uh, what is he talking about? What have we come into? No, this, this, this can, this, we're going somewhere, but I want you to think about it because, like, in her car, I drove it for two and a half years and didn't even know it had sport mode. I did not even know that there was more speed, more horsepower, more torque, more, more thrill, more excitement, more adrenaline available to me with one press of a button. I think that our lives, a lot of times are like a car that has sport mode availability, but we never access it. Did you know that I can drive cross country in Jamie's car, never use sport mode and get there safely and have a great trip? I don't have to use it to operate, but it's there. See, this is the Holy Spirit in your life. The Holy Spirit is your sport mode. It is your ability to access more power, more energy, more adrenaline, more life, more passion. Everything more that God has for your life is available through the Holy Spirit. Now, people get all weirded out when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is mentioned over 800 times in the Bible. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. You could not get saved without the power of the Holy Spirit. Well, I like Jesus, but I'm not sure about that Holy Spirit. The only way that you entered into Jesus is by the power of the Holy Spirit. The, the Holy Spirit's at creation. The Holy Spirit's in the Old Testament. The Holy Spirit's in the New Testament. The Holy Spirit's here today. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. In fact, the Holy Spirit is more places than Jesus is because Jesus is one man, one person, and he's sitting in one place. It's at the right hand of the Father interceding for me and for you. And the Holy Spirit... Is every, I feel like God's going to do something today. I, I just had this feeling all day. I don't know what service it's going to be. I don't know what experience it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to hit in Wiley. I don't know if it's going to hit in Allen. But I feel like God's going to do something today because there's like this, there's this sport mode that for some of us has been available but never accessed. Did, did you know that Jamie has, when she drives her car, she has access to sport mode? But even when she clicks into sport mode, she can still drive safer and slower than me. It's the same car with the same power and the same availability, but, but she can drive it different than the way that I can drive it. Let me say it this way, and this is what we say when we talk about the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit isn't weird people are. The, the Holy Spirit doesn't change your personality. It just gives you access to something. If you're weird before the Holy Spirit, you're weird after the Holy Spirit. If you're not weird before the Holy Spirit, you're not weird after the Holy Spirit. It does not change you. Jamie can drive safe and slow in sport mode. But when I get sport mode, I don't drive like that. It's the same sport mode. It's just overlaid different personalities. The Holy Spirit, and one of the myths about the Holy Spirit is that he's just going to take you over. He's going to possess you. He's going to make you levitate and speak in Japanese. And then you're going to, that's, that's not true. Did you know that I can be in sport mode and I can stop and I can start? I can be in sport mode and I can speed and I can slow down. I can be in sport mode and I can rev it up and I can turn it off. I am in control. Sport mode just gives me availability that I never had before. The Holy Spirit in your life is not going to take you over. It's not going to possess you. It's not going to make you weird. It's not going to make you do something you don't want to do. But it will give you power or availability to power that you've never had before. John chapter 16, verse 7. 
says, but very truly I tell you, it is for your good. Now this is Jesus talking, okay? It is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, the comforter, the Holy Spirit will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. I, got, I want you just to catch this. This is Jesus talking. This is, this is Jesus speaking. And he says, hey, guys, I've got to go. But it's going to be better for you. I've got to go, but it's going to be better for you because if I go, then I'm going to send the helper. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Now, from our study, even last week, we know that spirit, the word in the Greek and in the Hebrew, means forceful wind or a breath of fresh air. That's why we have this boat, a sailboat. A sailboat is powered not by an engine, but by the wind. The wind propels it. The wind directs it. The wind moves it. Now, it's important for the wind to move it that you have your sails up. You've got to engage sport mode. You've got to put your sails up. The wind blows no matter if, if you want it to or not. But if you're going to capture it, you've got to raise some faith. And you've got to raise some receptivity. And you've got to raise some awareness that the wind is there. So Jesus is speaking, and, and, and he's talking to his disciples, and his disciples, you know, struggled at times. The disciples were kind of like us, okay? Not always full of faith, not always saying the right thing. And Jesus is saying, guys, i got to go. I got to go. I imagine Peter, like when Jesus is saying, he's like, nope, Jesus, don't do it. Don't go. Uh-uh. And Jesus is like, no, I, I need to go. Like, nope, I'm not letting you go. I will not let you. I heard about Jake. I want to wrestle with you till you bless me. You're not going. It's like, no, like Jesus is going, okay? Jesus said, I got to go. And the reason is, is because Jesus was one man. So if he was with Peter, he couldn't be with Thomas. If he was with Judas... He couldn't be with John. He, he could, he's, he's one man. So if the wind was blowing here, it wouldn't be blowing there. If Jesus was with you, then he couldn't be with me. And Jesus says, that's not good. It's not good. Jesus came to save all mankind. God so loved the world that he gave Jesus to save us all. But in saving us all, our life doesn't end there. Saving us gets us in the boat. The Holy Spirit propels the boat. When Jesus died, it was one sacrifice for all mankind that our sins could be forgiven. God so loved the world that he gave, and he gave Jesus. But God so loved the believer. God so loved the Christian. God so loved the saint that he sent the Holy Spirit. And he said, Jesus, you did your job. Now get back up here. Holy Spirit. It's your turn because now the wind, the breath of God can blow in everyone's life at the very same time. This word advocate, it means paraclete. It's a Greek word that means someone who's called alongside, especially called to one's aid. Another name for the Holy Spirit is the helper. It's the helper. You, you could call it sport mode. You can call a comforter, you can call him helper, whatever you want. We're going to start having like baptism in the sport mode nights or something. But like, you can call it whatever you want. It is the empowering of God to help you in your Christian life. You know, many of us hit storms in life, trials, difficulties. Maybe you hit one this week, and it's caused you to kind of like fear a shipwreck. But if you would lift your sails, there would be a wind 
a breath. I know it sounds weird. It sounds like oh, a breath, a wind. It's the Holy Spirit. It's God's empowering on your life to move you into safe harbor, to move you into the place that God has for you, to move you into the destiny that he has for your life. In Acts chapter 10, this is interesting, Acts chapter 10, Peter, who we find to be very cowardly, always putting his foot in his mouth when he's walking with Jesus. But Peter in Acts chapter 10 is very eloquent. He's very bold. He says, then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know what has happened throughout the province of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached, how God, listen, to this, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the, see the leapfrog Christians, like they can't go there, right? Because they just read God, God anointed Jesus with power and how he went around doing, no, no, with the Holy Spirit and power and how he went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. Let me ask you this question. If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, do you think we do? If Jesus needed to be anointed with the Holy Spirit to do what he was supposed to do, how much more do you think that we need it? Let me, let me, let me ask you this. If Jesus promised you, if he told you he had a gift for you that would help you walk victoriously through this life, would you want it? Because that's how Jesus explains it. I tell my boys this sometimes. If I'm going on a trip and you know, I'm about to leave, and they're like, Daddy, don't go. Daddy, don't go. And I'll say, I'll bring you back a present. I'm like, oh, okay, see ya. It's like, okay, I thought it would be a little more difficult than that. But, but they, 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 the promise of the gift lets them understand the absence. Jesus says, I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you a gift. I'm leaving, but I'm going to give you something. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you high and dry. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you by yourself. I'm leaving you, but I'm not leaving you to navigate this life by yourself. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit who is the paraclete, the advocate, the comforter, the teacher, the helper. I'm sending him to you. So many of us are driven by the storms of life and what we need in the midst of a storm, is we need to be able to lift our sails and catch the wind of the Holy Spirit. Now, it sounds cliche, but I want you just to follow the analogy because your life a lot of times gets tossed by the storms that we go through. But if you can capture the empowerment that comes from God, the Holy Spirit, it will help you navigate Life's turns, life's tribulations, life's storms, life's problems. It will be able to help you navigate those things. Now, now, I found this out to be true about the Holy Spirit. The enemy of the Holy Spirit, I'll give you a couple things. The enemy of the Holy Spirit is spiritual inoculation. I'm going to explain this to you. The enemy of the Holy Spirit is spiritual inoculation. To inoculate someone means to give someone a weakened state of a virus so as to activate the antibodies to fight it off and then become immune to it. Do you know what I feel like happened in the church? is that we've given a weakened dose of Christianity. I'm speaking of virus in a positive sense because I think we've given a weakened dose of Christianity so much that, that, that we fight off with our intelligence, with our experience, with our own perspective, and now we become immune to the very power that could save us.
There's a verse in 1 Timothy that says that we have a form of godliness, but we deny its power. See, I think all the time, like, we, 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 try, we try to drive our life, and, and in churches all across the world, we try to cover up the sport mode button. Like, oh, it's not there. Well, what sport? I don't know. Don't worry about it. Don't go there. Ghost stories. Ah. Like, we don't want to go near it because we don't understand it. We don't want to go near because it's scary. We think that when we press sport mode, we're going to shoot off into this, the horizon at 140 miles an hour with no control and no ability to break. But it's not true. The sport mode just gives you access. It's actually not as scary as we make it out to be. It's just a flip of the button or a switch of your faith that says, God, you have something more for me. And if God has something more for you, don't you want everything that God has for you? Don't you want everything that he has? God knows us more than anybody. He knows what we walk through. He knows what we struggle with. He knows what we be tempted with. And he says, I'm not going to leave you high and dry. I'm sending the Holy Spirit. I have to go so I can send him. You don't get me and him. I'm one man in one place, but I'm going to go and I'm going to stand at the right hand of the Father, and I'm going to pray for you, and I'm going to intercede with you, but I'm not just going to send you out with some prayers. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. I'm going to send the breath of God. I'm going to send the wind of God to fill your sails and to direct your life and to empower you to do everything I've asked you to do. God would never ask you to do something that he hasn't first empowered you to do. The way that he empowers you is different than sometimes what we think. We think to get the speed that we need, we need a new car. God said to get the speed that you need, you use what I gave you. I'm just, I'm just trying to find where God's at. I'm trying to find his power. It, it, it's here all along. It's here. It, it's called sport mode. By accepting a weaker version of Christianity than Jesus designed, we put ourselves at risk of becoming immune to the very power that could save us. Did you know by accepting regular mode, you neglect sport mode? Or I'll say it this way. By accepting regular mode, you deny Sport mode. If I told you that the highest capacity that Jamie's car had was regular mode, I would deny the opportunity that there was more in sport mode. But believers all over the world have said, oh, this, what we have, must be it. I'm stuck on this boat of life in Christianity, and I'm stuck to my own strength. My own rituals, my own good works. You ever try to just be good? It's hard to be good, isn't it? Like, it's just hard to do the right thing. You ever got mad at people in traffic? Like, why do you get mad? Why didn't you stop that? Like, why do we, like, like why, why, why do I never speed again? Why don't I ever, like, get impatient ever again? I should just stop that. You ever had an impure thought? You should never do that again. Like, just stop. Like, for real, just stop it. Why do you keep struggling? You're, you're hurting your marriage. You're hurting your kids. Just stop it. Well, yeah, but How? It's not that we don't have a good heart. Like, no one in here is saying, like, I'm just going to, like, I'm just going to, like, be me. Like, I'm just going to be myself. And that hurts you? Like, suck it up. Like, that's not my. No, we want to do right. We, no one goes into marriage thinking, I'm going to just ruin this thing. <laughs> Nobody has kids and, like, watch this. I'm going to make their life a living hell. Hey, that's, it just happens naturally we don't want it to we just like it's like we just don't have the power to not do it 
And then God, of course, saw it and said, oh, man, I'll just give them a little wind in their sails. I'll just make sure. But then the church got freaked out by sport mode. And then we said, let's just cover it. And then we've inoculated people. And the people are saying, why aren't anybody getting healed? Why don't I ever sense God? Why don't I ever feel God? Why, why does nothing ever happen? Why is all our services just all scripted out and normal? Why is everything just the same? Why is there no excitement? Why is there no life? And then people come into a church where there is life, and they say, why is it so loud? Why are people alive? Why are people using their voice? Why are people? You can't win. You can't win. Once you start to water down what God gave us, and you don't take it in its purest form, we have diluted theologies that run our lives and our churches. I'm not excluding us. We do as well. That's why we've got to get back to what his word says. We've got to dive in, and we've got to refuse to temper it. We've got to refuse to put a moderator or a governor on the power of God and say, God, we want all that you have for us. Jesus, if you thought it was good for me to have it, then I want it. It scares me. Sport mode is creeping me out. I've tried not to look at it for 13 years. But I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, maybe, maybe, maybe this is the week. Wiley, maybe this is the week for you. Maybe it's time to just have the faith, the courage, the boldness to say, my own works have not done very good. My own righteousness have not done very well. My own self-control seems to be coming up a little short. Maybe it's time for some Maybe it's time to just press the button. Maybe it's time to engage your faith. Maybe it's time to just, just try it. Pastor, I don't really understand, and I think you quoted one of the scriptures wrong. Let me just break it down for you. Are you having a hard time living your Christian life? Okay, so throw some of theology garbage that we've heard on YouTube and in basement bloggers and just say, I need something. And then read it pure and simple. Jesus says, you're going to need something because I'm about to leave. Like, you're about to be in some trouble. I'm out of here. Peter's like, well, can, we, can, we, can, we, can we go with you? He's like, no, Peter. I just said I'm sending the Holy Spirit to be your helper, to be your advocate. The key to the Holy Spirit, the enemy of the Holy Spirit is spiritual inoculation. The key to the Holy Spirit is spiritual expectation. Do you know if you expect someone to show up or something to show up, you'll look for it? If you never expected sport mode to be there, for two and a half years I drove that car. I didn't expect it to be there, and I didn't see it. But when I all of a sudden had a need for speed, started searching around that car like there's got to be something on here. I found it because if you expect to find it, you, you know, the, the truth is how I actually found it is someone told me that I think there's a sport mode on your car. I'm like, no, it's not the sport, it's not the sport edition. He's like, no, I think there is a sport mode. So I started searching. I'm like, well, if it's there, I'm going to find it. If I got a little more power available, like, I'm, I thought it was fast already, but if I mean, it could be faster. Like, so I already got a lot of tickets in this bad boy, but if I got a little possibility of a little bit more speed, I'm, I'm go, I'm, I'm in. See, some of you, just by being here today or being here last week, you're going to start to search. And the key to the Holy Spirit doing something huge in your life is expecting him to do something huge in your life. There is a connection between your expectation and your outcome. There's a connection between your expectation and your outcome. The key to the Holy Spirit is spiritual expectation, the effect of the Holy Spirit. And this is where we'll spend the rest of our time. 
The effect of the Holy Spirit is spiritual transformation. That's what the effect of it is. What happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of your life? Transformation. It, transformation. Well, that hasn't really been my experience. Then you need more of the Holy Spirit. You need more wind in your sails. Acts chapter 2. This is, this is the day of Pentecost. This is when it happened, okay? It says, when the day of Pentecost came... They were all together in one place. Now, I'll explain this. Jesus, when he was leaving, he's like, guys, I'm about to leave, so I'm going to give you real simple instructions because the disciples were like us. And so he said, I'm going to give you real simple instructions. I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to go. I'm, I'm going right now. He started ascending. He's like, I'm leaving right now. Peter, I want you to really hear me. You go to the upper room. You don't leave. You don't debate. You don't talk about anything. You just wait until the Holy Spirit comes. Peter's like, yeah, but Jesus, can I, can I come? If it's you, let me ascend with you. He's like, no, you already walked on the water. Shut up, Peter. I want you to go to the upper room. I want you to sit down. I want you to wait. So they go to the upper room and they begin to pray. Acts chapter 1 verse 8 says, you receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. This is a promise of power. This is so funny. Like all of us in our Christian lives, we want power. And then the Bible like really clearly spells out, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you're like, I don't like that sport mode. But, but you still want the power, right? Like, you still want that? So in Acts chapter 2 is when it actually happened. It says, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with all of them, 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 all I'm zooming, zooming, all of them, all of them, zooming back out, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Another subject for another day, but it does say all of them. So this happens, this happens, right? This happens in Acts chapter 2. So he's filled with the Holy Spirit, right? Peter's filled with the Holy Spirit, the thing he's been waiting for. And then in Acts chapter 2, verse 14 just a couple verses later, it says, But Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them. He gets their attention. He says, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and give ear to my words. For these people are not drunk, as you suppose, because people were accusing them of being drunk. The Philip Holy Spirit started speaking in other languages. They're mumbling, murmuring. They're like, yeah, these people are drunk. And he says, these people are not drink, drunk as you suppose. It is only the third hour of the day. But this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. And in the last days it shall be. God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. And your sons and daughters shall prophesy. And your young men shall see visions. And your old men shall dream dreams. Even on my male servants and female servants. In those days I will pour out my spirit. And they will prophesy. Peter begins to explain. And he begins to preach what's happening. Peter is bold. It is chaos. People are losing their minds. They're saying, what is this? Those believers that were with Jesus, they're drunk now. It's chaotic. It's not peaceful. It's not everybody sitting in their rows listening. P different languages going on. It's confusion. And Peter, with the boldness that we've never seen him have, stands up and says, hey, y'all listen here. Jesus left y'all with me. I'm about to tell you some stuff. Told me to wait in that room till the Holy Ghost came. The Holy Ghost came. This is that which the prophet Joel spoke about. Just hold on. Now, that's like cool for Peter, but that has not always been Peter. Right? Like, like this is the same Peter. This, this is the same Peter that Jesus was like, hey, uh, guys, I'm here to die so that you can be saved from your sins. Peter's like, no, there's got to be another way. Jesus, you ain't dying. He's trying to, like, abort the plan of God. 
Peter is just like, he's like us. He's same Peter that Jesus is walking on the water, right? He's walking on the water stream. It's like, Jesus, that's you. Tell me to walk on the water to you. Now, most people think Peter was full of faith. I don't think that. I think Peter, this is my own opinion, okay? This is D-I-V, Dustin-inspired version. I, th- I, think, I think Peter was like, that's not him. That's not him. Watch this, Thomas. If that's you, tell me to come on the water. And Jesus like, again? Come on, Peter. He's like, oh. And then he's like, most of us is like, okay, I'm too far gone now. So it's like, you know, it's hot out anyways. <laughs> oh, okay. You know why I think he still doubted? Because the Bible says, then he saw the wind and the waves. He's like, oh, whoa, what am I doing? Ah, this is wild. He starts thinking, and now this statement of faith became a life-saving mission because Jesus had to save him. He says he was drowning, and Jesus had to save him. This is Peter. Peter's sitting around the Last Supper with Jesus. Like, Jesus is telling him, guys, like, the time has come. Like, you guys know who I am now. Peter even said, like, yeah, you're the son of God. I know who you are. And, Peter sa- and Jesus says, okay, as the son of God, let me just tell you something. You're going to disown me three times tonight. Peter's like, Never. I'll die before I disown you. What you talking about, Messiah? What are you talking about, sent of God? You don't know what you're saying. I'll never. That's what he says. My own version. (laughs) And then they're on the way to the garden, like where Jesus is going to be arrested. Okay, this, this is Peter. The soldiers walk up. Peter grabs a sword. He cuts off the ear of Jesus had to be arrested in order to die for the plan of God to work. He told Peter this, I don't know how many times. And Peter's like, not today! Sa, sa, sa. And Jesus, who has a lot of big things on his mind, like saving all of humanity, picks up the ear. Father, I am sorry. And thank you for sending for me. I will be there shortly. Tell the Holy Ghost to get ready. Then he walks to the cross. He goes to the cross. I mean, Jesus is going to the cross. Peter's with him. I'll never disown him. I'll die before they. Hey, weren't you with Jesus? Like, is he in trouble? Oh, yeah, I don't even know him. They're like, no, you were just with him. We know. No, I, I never seen him. I never seen that guy. Who, who is that? Jesus? I, I didn't know him. Peter, we know you. Third time, disowns him. That's Peter. And then all of a sudden, Acts chapter 2, the midst of chaos, the only thing that's happened between then and now is sitting up in a room waiting where it says the Holy Spirit came. Then he comes out of the place, eyes on fire, boldness filling him. And you never see Peter look a different way again full of the Holy Ghost and power. People bringing the sick out in the streets that his shadow would pass over them and they would be healed. What? Peter is on another level going into serious situations, willing to be crucified, willing to die for the sake of the testimony of Jesus. Nothing's phasing him. And many of us, we would excuse that away as like, well, man, wow, we knew he had potential, but whoa, here he is. No, you don't change like that. You didn't. I didn't. You don't change like that. Bad man, bad man, bad man, good man. Scared, coward, putting your foot in your mouth. 
preaching, eloquent, powerful. Anybody. Honestly, it's easier to, ch- it's easier to teach this to non-churchy church people. Non-churchy church people. Non-churchy people. It's way easier to teach them. You know why? Because they can put it two and two together. Okay, before the Holy Spirit, he was a coward. After the Holy Spirit, he was full of courage. Wow, I need the Holy Spirit. But us churchy people are like, hmm, I've heard bad things about that sport mode. Mm, over that 1132 church, you know, the address for a name. They Like, like so keep on driving in your regular mode. Keep on complaining that you don't have enough horsepower and you don't have enough power. Keep on going to all your therapists and all your counselors, which I don't have a problem with any of them, but keep on going, doing it all. Deny the wind that Jesus sent. No, this is a church that believes every word in the Bible. And we believe that the Holy Spirit is sent by God. He's our helper. He's our teacher. He's our comforter. Jesus said, I have to go, but I'm not going to leave you without someone to walk with you. I'm going to send you the sport mode because in this world, you will have trial and you will have tribulation. But I will not leave you by yourself. I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. You thought that was God. No, it's the Holy Ghost. It is Him walking beside us and walking with us, empowering us, moving us, teaching us. It's him. Go ahead and stand up with me. Join the other crazies. The disciples were transformed from powerless, prayerless, doubting and faltering witnesses of Christ into bold and effective leaders who changed the world. John 14, 16 says, and I will ask the Father, Jesus asked for you. I'll ask the Father and He'll give you another advocate, a helper to help you and be with you forever. Be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. The world cannot accept Him. It doesn't make sense because it neither sees Him nor knows Him. It's like the wind. You, can, you can't see it, but you can see the effect. But you know Him for He lives with you and He will be if you want to engage Him in you. Zechariah says, not by might, nor by power, but by even churches that deny the work of the Holy Spirit quote this verse. It's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's not by mine, nor by power. My spirit, says the Lord. Right. So what is that spirit? That's the Holy Spirit, right? Well, I don't know. The Holy Spirit. That word is a Hebrew word, ruach. It means wind. Not by might, nor by power, but by the wind in your sails. I don't know what you're walking through, what you're dealing with, what kind of storm you find yourself in. But at some point, you will run out of natural ability. You'll run out of natural self-control. You'll run out of natural power. And you'll find yourself in a situation where you say, I've got to have God. I've got to have something. I've got to have more. That search for more is where you begin to discover the wind in your sails. Next week, we're going to take it even deeper. The week one, we talked about and we said that our prayer, our prayer was, Lord, Holy Spirit, reveal yourself to me. Show yourself to me. Week two, our prayer, Wiley, catch this. Week two, our prayer is Holy Spirit, 
Transform me. Change me. I won't be like Peter. He loved Jesus, but he had all kinds of issues. But he experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's not that he never made a mistake again. But he was filled with courage and boldness. He had something there. When he pressed the pedal down, there was something there that wasn't there before. That's the best way to describe the Holy Spirit. Is that when you press the pedal down of your faith, it's like, whoa, I, I got a little something right there. I got a little. Some of you need a boost. You need a boost. You've been the same way, the same person for so long. You need a boost. you got to get out of those cycles, out of those rhythms. I, my brother and I, we were working out the other day, and, and um, this, we, so this is bad, but I'm going to tell you, and then we'll be done. Uh, we used to make fun of these, back in Washington, back when we used to work out together years and years ago, we used to make fun of these people because they were the most religious people at the gym. I mean, they were there. Every, anytime I was there, they were there. I think they lived there. But they never changed. Like, their bodies never changed. I'm like, they're putting in a lot of time for no change. And me and Ryan were at the gym the other day, and I'm like, man, we've been pretty diligent. We've been pretty consistent. I hope we're not becoming, you know? Like, I've been pretty much the same for about 10 years. Like, and I'm proud of that. But, it, like, we put in a lot of time to not see big change. Can I just propose it to you this way before we dismiss? You're putting in a lot of time to not change. You're putting in a lot of effort. You're giving a lot of money to not change. It always gets quiet when you talk about money. Is that funny? You hear that? It's like, you say money? Yeah, I say money. We talk about money here. Jesus talked about it, so we talk about it. It's one of those things. Leapfrog Christians. It says it. I'm taking some time here, and I know it's, we're, we're about out of time, and they just flashed the zero. See, it just went negative on the back. 0 0.3, 0 0.4, 0 0.5. It's like, but I'm in charge. I can do whatever I want. Pastor Steve, hold on. I'm coming for you. You've done this to me before. I'm teasing. I'm teasing. Kind of. I just think we put in a lot of time to not change. You know what number one complaint I get in marriages? I kept on giving them chances. I kept on giving her chances. I kept on, I kept on, I kept on, but they didn't change. You ever felt like I want to change, but I can't change? It's never for a lack of wanting to. It's for the lack of the ability to. And God saw that. And he said, hey, I'll cover your sins. I'll give you grace. I'll wash them away. But for this day-to-day -day thing, you got to, like, get in here. I was just about to get in, but I thought, could it go bad? And <laughs> you got to get in there. And you got to hoist those sails. And when you think you can't go anymore, I will sin not by might nor by power. I will send my wind to move you and propel you and to help change you and to help direct you, to help convict you, to lovingly steer you into right where you need to be. Thanks for listening. You can find out more about us at church1132.com.